Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, coming back at you with another podcast. Since I have just started my competition prep, I felt it fitting to interview somebody that has also recently competed. I've got Gary Mullins on today, and he did the NAC competition that took place in Dallas, Texas a couple weeks back, I guess four weeks back now, and he just competed in another competition this past weekend. So he did two different protocols, one with carbs, one with keto, and he dove deep into how each has impacted him, what his macros were like, what his calories were like, what his manipulations were like. So super informational, super great content. I learned a bunch, had an awesome time talking with him. Hope you enjoy this podcast with Gary Mullins. And Gary, we're live. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How about you? Cannot complain, brother. So this is, uh, we, we've talked quite a few times, but the first time I think I actually met you was at this NACA competition, which was, I guess, was that like three weeks ago now? Four weeks? Yeah. Yeah. It was about uh, a little over three weeks ago. And that was, uh, so So give me kind of a rundown of your competition history. This You just finished a show this past weekend, and the NACA show was the first show you've done this year, right? Uh, those were the only two shows I've ever done. Only oh, two shows you've ever done. Yeah. Okay, so we got a lot to dive into here. And <laughs> I, I didn't know if I wanted to introduce you as Gary Mullins or Benjamin Button on the podcast because I swear, man, you keep looking better and better the older you get. <laughs> I'm working. I'm trying to. <laughs> well, give give me in, a, in the audience a little insight into what your progression has looked like over the past few years because you've been doing keto now for a while. I remember messaging back and forth with you long time ago before I was anybody in the space and you were making waves then, you know, with your, with your diet and your nutrition. So give me and the audience a little insight into to what brought you into doing, using keto as your protocol and what you were doing before that. Um, well, the, uh, the whole physique and bodybuilding stuff came as a byproduct of keto. Um, by accident, really, I, uh, first got into keto when I was having like chronic, really, really bad back pain, lower back pain, um, where I had to get like steroid shots in my back every three months just to be functional. I couldn't even bend over like say a bathtub to wash my little ones, which are, uh, you know, six and eight right now. And, um, went to the doctor and said, man, what, what can I do to get off of, you know, all these medications I'm taking just to try and maintain a, you know, a a functional life in some regard. And he said, well, you can through surgery and you can get stronger. <laughs> so I, uh, I thought, okay, well, I want to avoid surgery and I'm going to get stronger. And, um, uh, I'm someone who, when I get into something, I go, I, I go all in. So mm-hmm. when I decided I was going to start training, I was like, well, I might as well clean up my, my nutrition at the same time and see if I can attack this from two different angles. And uh, started doing a bunch of research on what causes back pain, which is, you know, a lot of inflammation a lot of times. And uh, so I started looking up diets to reduce inflammation. And um, all my searching brought me to keto. So I just dove in, researched it top to bottom for about a month solid, and then went uh, strict keto and did that for a solid year without any kind of cheats whatsoever. Um, about six months in, I didn't need the steroid shots in my back anymore. Um, and then another few months after that, I was able to start coming off of medications that I had been on for, uh, you know, over a decade. And, um, I'm actually on nothing. I I take nothing for my back at all now. And I feel way better than I ever have. You know, I, I could barely bend over. And now I can, uh, you know, deadlift double my body weight for for reps, and um, it's been life changing in you know both keto and getting in shape. It's uh, I, de- I definitely feel a lot younger than I have my- <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah, imagine, man. What what? Uh, so was there anything like a specific injury that caused the initial back trauma to occur? Or was it just simply inflammation from bad diet choices in the past? A uh, combination. Um, I was in the military, um, I, uh, medic, a field medic for the Marines, and we would have to do these, you know, 18-mile force marches with 70-pound rucksacks on our back. Um, so it just, I, 
doing that numerous times, I that's where the back trouble started. And uh, I have a sedentary job. I sit, I'm an IT geek for a living. And I, I'm just like sit up over a computer keyboard a lot of the time. So the the lack of physical activity plus the previous strain put on my back just kind of, you know, built up over time to the point where it just got pretty unbearable. Did you ever get like any x-rays done to see if there was any skeletal damage oh, yeah. or is it all muscular? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I have a ruptured L1 and a ruptured D4. Man, yeah, that, that does not sound appealing at all. No, no it is not. <laughs> Do you, did you like... Like when you first started lifting, when you were doing deadlifts and whatnot, did that like just kill you or was it pretty easy to, to start doing that and that had like an alleviating effect right off the bat? Uh, I basically, for the first three months um, of any time in the gym, it was all core work. I was all just trying to get my, my core as strong as could be um, to help support my back, to take the pressure off my back. That was the whole reason why I went into the gym in, in the first place. And... Um, just as a side effect of sticking to keto strict and then all the physical activity, I started losing a bunch of weight. Like initially I was just trying to feel better and be functional. And then, um, I started, you know, I got, I went from about 215, 225 around that area to 155, um, in the course of about eight months. And, um, I was like, well, hell, I can, <laughs> I can look good as well as feel good. Um, let's see how much further I can go with this and just keep going. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Uh, so yeah, it's um, so yeah, it was all core work at first, and then I had to, once I was strong, um, I started to slowly build it, build in stuff like you know hip thrusts and um, uh, good mornings, and then some deadlifts, a lot of posterior chain stuff. So I was just trying to be as stable as possible. It's kind of funny, man. I, I've grown up on a farm my whole life and like all of my family members, like my dad, my uncles, they're always down in their back, have some kind of back pain because they're always like, you know, bending over, picking things up that are heavy and they just, they don't train. Like they don't spend time at the gym. They're very physically active and they're in shape. But since they don't train, they're not in the gym and they're not like intentionally building up that muscle. They're so much more prone to injury. Whereas if you're like actually consistent and disciplined with training, you build up that that structure, that foundation. Your likelihood of having injuries just from day to day life are so dramatically reduced. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to dive into the nutrition, man. So, what was a typical day of eating like for you before you started, you know, diving into these anti-inflammatory diets? Like, what were you eating? Like all <laughs> kinds of standard American diet, or what was it looking like? It's got. It, I mean, it's it. It was really bad. I mean, I, I was one of the guys that would say, you know, I could live on sugar. I, I, that Those words came out of my mouth where I, I said, I, I could live on just sugar. Um, and I, I could sit down and open a like a big 10-pack of Reese's Cups and eat them, just binge them and, and not blink an eye. Like that, that, was, that was a snack. <laughs> that, that wasn't like – and then, you know, I'd go have dinner. Um, you know, with breaded, fried, uh, just carbs galore. I couldn't put enough sweets on everything. It, it was, yeah, fast food, you know, the the worst. <laughs> Did you ever go to the doc and get like a checkup and they said that you're pre-diabetic or anything like that? Um, I actually did get, get uh, was starting to drift into pre-diabetic um, a, a few months before, which has also helped me lean toward going keto from the research I did. I was like, well, man, it sounds like keto is going to knock out numerous things by itself. Let's see. And you've been doing keto now for how long in total? Uh, about three and a half years. Three and a half years. So when you first started getting into it, you know, three and a half years ago was before it really hit the popularity that it has now. What were you using for resources? Like where were you finding your information? Was there like some, some pretty significant pitfalls that you found yourself in? Like, How'd you kind of navigate the the very minimal information that was out there? Um, well, uh, I'm a research geek for uh, for a living, so I'm really good at hunting down uh, studies and just taking in all the information I can and just kind of sorting through it. Because some sites would say one thing, and other sites would say something else. Um, like 
some would say calories in, calories out, doesn't matter as long as you're eating fat and protein, you're good. Um, and then, of course, I did my own research and found out that that was not correct. Um, I, I want to spend a little bit of time on that. Definitely matters. <laughs> I, I want to spend a little bit of time on that because that is like one of my pet peeves, man. That's <laughs> yeah. like, like I, I, it's it's strange. Like there's there's people in the keto space that are saying calories don't matter, and there's people in the typically like the bro dieting space that's saying it's all about calories. The only thing that matters, hormones are irrelevant. And it's like, they can't just meet in the middle. That's where the the answer lies. And it's, I don't know, like it's, it's weird that there's so much conflict around that topic because to assume that calories don't matter is like the most ignorant statement ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I I can't wrap my head around someone's reasoning for, for saying that either. (laughs) Yeah, mind-boggling. So, didn't mean to interrupt you there. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so that's uh, my just the worst diet ever. It was just, uh, I, I didn't, I had no purpose to my eating. I was eating, I, I, I'm a big-time eat-for-pleasure person. Um, I was brought up in the household of clean your plate. Um, you know, you don't leave any food on the plate. You can't, It was made, you better eat it. Uh, and you know, I was raised like that little and, um, it, it kind of broke my hunger cues growing up and, um, I look to get full when I eat, uh, it just, it makes me happy, but that's probably because that's how I was raised. <laughs> um, so I would always eat just awful, awful things until I was just stuffed and I couldn't eat anything else. Um, and just by making the switch over to eating things that I should be eating that are, you know, lower, lower glycemic, um, no carb, basically, uh, I noticed I felt a ton better. Ketosis was, you know, coming from it's if you're someone who's never eaten a whole lot of carbs before, you actually get um, for those people, uh, you get kind of carb drunk mm-hmm. feeling. Um where, you know, you literally like you, you, you feel like you have a hangover the next day if you've eaten, like I got all that back because for, the, for this last prep, I tried the high, high carb up method, um, which was in stark contrast to the pure keto method I did for NACA. Um, I just wanted to see what it was like coming from both angles. I, I just like to experiment and see, you know, see how things work out and, um, I'd been keto for so long, I had forgotten what it felt like to to take in that many carbs. And I'm just now starting to get to the point um, where, I, where I, I don't feel carb drunk, where it's, uh, I, you know, going from a carb-based diet to a fat-based diet uh, in ketosis is the mental clarity is just night and day. That's one of the first things I tell people when – they asked me, oh, so, so you do keto. Um, yeah, oh, I hear her, I hear it's good for weight, for weight loss. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is, but that's not the reason why I, I do it. I, I do it because I feel freaking fantastic while, <laughs> while I'm in ketosis. So um, yeah, it, it all just kind of melded together. Yeah, that the mental clarity aspect of it is, is definitely, I, I mean, I've heard people say it, I like the way they put it where it's like they'll, they'll start keto for the weight loss and they'll stay for the mental clarity and just how they yep. feel, the cognition. Um, so that that's 100% true. Like I've noticed that very, very pronounced, better mental clarity, less inflammation. Um, I, I want to dive into the, the two preps and kind of flesh out your protocols, your manipulations there because let's, let's dive into NACA first since that was your first show. Um, that, that was three or four weeks ago now. How long did you prep for that in total? About five months. Five months. That's a, that's a pretty long prep by most people's standards. I mean, the shorter ends are like 12 weeks. So a five-month prep is, is nothing to scoff at. Did you feel like, like give me some numbers. Like what were your starting calories, any calories? What did you do to manipulate throughout? Like just kind of give me some insight there. Um, well, I just through... Um, you know, experience and, and, uh, training, I, I knew that my maintenance was around 2,800. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I could maintain or just slightly gain, which would mostly be muscle, um, around that 
that range. And when I decided to start competition, I just started cutting calories by uh, about every, I think it was every week, I would cut down about 100 calories mm-hmm. um, until I got down to the last uh, two or three weeks. Um, and the reason why I started so far out is because I'm just not a, a big fan of cardio. Usually my workouts are um, short rest periods, supersets, giant sets. So I'm constantly moving anyways. My heart rate has no problem getting up in, in, in the 150s. Um, and staying there for most of my workout. So, um, and, and it just takes more time. You know, I've got little kids. I always get up super early in the morning, work out, um, then come back home so I can see them get on the bus to go to school. So, uh, you know, that extra cardio time is harder to fit in. So I started out far out so I could taper down, you know, slow and steady. Um, and then when I got, uh, <laughs> it was funny, I, I, you get kind of diet brained after a while. I've heard that term before. Yeah, where um, you know you, you just aren't at your best. <laughs> you're not, you know, you're not properly fueled. It's uh, prep definitely takes a toll in in, in that regard. And uh, I was just overthinking things. And I was like, man, why I I, I can't seem to lose a lot of this water weight. Uh, I was about three weeks out at that point, and um, a buddy of mine. Uh, on Instagram was like, you know, well, what's your protein at? And as soon as he asked me, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's way too high. I need to start <laughs> start dropping my protein because normally I eat around a gram per pound of of lean mass. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm usually around one fifty five to one sixty five. I don't, you know, go too strict with it, but I don't beat myself up if I go over it. It's just that's a, a minimum I usually shoot for. And three weeks out, I, I dropped that down to uh, 120 for about a week. And I dropped about three or four pounds of water weight that, that week wow. just from dropping the, just, yeah, just, just from dropping the protein. And then um, the last week, I, was, I started the week out around 100 and I ended the week at 50 protein? grams of protein. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So, what what was your starting weights at the onset? Uh, about one eighty seven. And what'd you get down to at the end? One seventy one. Okay, so almost twenty pounds. Um. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, about sixteen, sixteen, seventeen pounds. And so the whole the whole time, the whole twenty weeks, uh, you were you were cutting by about hundred calories each week, and you left your protein high throughout the entirety of it until three weeks out? Yeah, and, uh, until I, I needed to start losing uh, water weight and just see where I actually was. Did you keep your your carbs at a constant intake and then I'm assuming just mostly manipulate fat down as you went through? Yeah, yeah. The um, I, I shot for 25 grams or less of net carbs, but then the closer I got to... Um, the show days, I would clean up my diet more and more to where I was basically just eating carnivore for the last week. Gotcha. So when you started, what was your, what was your ratio looking like your fat ratio to protein relative to calories? Um, I hardly ever actually look at the ratios of starting. uh, I would say I was about 35% protein, Mm -hmm. um, around four or 5% net carbs. And then the rest was fat. Gotcha. And then um, as I got closer to show day, I just reduced. I think my protein was in closer to around like 19 or 20%, something like that. So what were your ending fat grams? Do you remember? It was higher than my protein. Um, I, for sure. It was, I want to say it was about, about 120-ish uh, grams of fat and then 50 grams of protein. So I, I was... I was dipping down to about 1,400 calories per day for the last, uh, for about most of that last week. And you pretty much kept cardio at a minimum there at the end too? Uh, The last two weeks I would do um, 30 minutes of cardio, like stationary bike, um, like an old Airdyne I have in the garage and just ride that for about 30 minutes, steady state um, after workout. Gotcha, gotcha. It's it's curious, man, because like a lot of people... Um, I've been looking at different types of competition prep protocols 
just so that I can, you know, learn more and better coach and a better practitioner of these protocols. Uh, and the, the norm, especially if you're like looking at the, the bro dieting standpoint, like keto as, as a whole is, is very counter to what the, the majority of the people are doing out there. Um, <laughs> so that's a whole nother conversation topic, but just in general, it seems that most people have a pretty significant drop in calories, you know, right off the bat. And then they'll have another drop as needed, like when their body starts to plateau. But you and I both share, you know, the, the principle of just gradually chipping away at those calories week after week. You know, I'd sometimes only take away, you know, 50 calories a week up to about 100 calories a week, but just every single week chipping away at that little by little. And I feel like that is so much more sustainable and practical than having like a massive 500 to 800 calorie drop until your body stops moving and then do another one, you know? Yeah, because I felt like as I as I went down gradually, um, I my appetite was going down with it. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, because uh, when I would be in ketosis really well, my that controls hunger as it was, and um, for this a- after NACA, when I went into my second prep, I, I spent probably about a week eating close to maintenance. Um, I was just so hungry, you know, after, after that, after that neck competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I struggled a little bit trying to rein that hunger back in again. And that's because I was going back to, um, I was cutting probably about four or 500 calories in one, in one go to start, you know, making sure I was in good shape for this past competition. Um, and I felt that that difference was so big compared to just chipping away a hundred, you know, a day, a week at a time. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, definitely. And when you, so the, this last competition was three weeks after the NAC competition, right? Right. And you said so that, that week after NAC, you went up to maintenance which was 2,700, 2,800 you mentioned? Uh, closer. I, I was around 24 because I knew my metabolism would have been Slowed down, lowered. lowered. Yeah. Yeah. So 24. I, so I, and then what did you do? You just started chipping away like 400 calories, you know, every couple of days until you got back down to like that 1,400 mark? Um, for the for that week of around 2,400, after that, I went down to I, – I, I would shoot for – uh, 1700, but usually end up around 2000 <laughs> for, yeah. for, you know, the first almost another week. And then after that, I was able to, you know, kind of double down and get back down and just kind of started catching up and doing 1400 and 1500 a day. And what you, you mentioned that you were playing around with carbs with the second uh, competition. How were you incorporating them? Um, I was just trying to use them to fill out. Um, I think the mistake I made at NACA is I don't, I did not fat load enough soon enough to fill out really well mm-hmm. for NACA. I was just like super depleted. Um, and looking back, you know, I can tell that now, uh, that I should have ate more fat and just, uh, but you know, I was in Dallas and I was excited. I was meeting all these people I hadn't, you know, ever met before in person. So it was just, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't have it planned out and have like a bunch of stuff with me to to munch on. I guess to make sure I was getting that that in. Um, so you didn't do like a refeed so, the night before or anything. Uh, I a little bit of one, but not enough. Uh, I should have eaten more, and it should have been more uh, like a couple days out earlier too. I think. Yeah. Um. um but for this one, I uh, about two days out is when I started. Uh, flipping the macros around. I kept my protein still the same as I did uh, the previous competition. At 50 grams? Uh, I knew the, yeah, I, I tapered it down toward the uh, show day like that. Um, and then the day before show day, I would eat uh, 100 grams of protein, just bump it up a little bit as part of the refeed. Um, and I started the carb load two days out and then did some more the day before and then was munching on like rice cakes and stuff like that the day of, um, and just had to basically cut off water the, uh, the day before where I was just sipping on water. So apart from the carb drunk, what, uh, what other differences did you notice? Like, did you fill out more? Did you have more vascularity like that? Um, I, I did fill out more, but I, that's because 
when I go back, when I go back and look at the amount of calories I was eating, I, I was eating probably, uh, an extra five to 600 on those days that I carved up before the, um, this last competition. Mm -hmm. So, um, probably that, that's a good reason for it, for, for why I filled out better, but uh, I definitely filled out fast. Um, I know it takes longer for, uh, fat to convert into glycogen than it does for, you know, carbohydrates to convert. So, um, but yeah, I got, I got, I got really full, like, uh, and the, the pump that I would get before going on stage was just like, it was, it, it hurt. It was, it was, there was so much of it. It it was, uh, I, I don't think I've ever had a, a pump that actually hurt before. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. And you didn't spill oh. over anything like that. So there wasn't any like, um, uh, you didn't take in enough water. Your electrolyte pouring out of whack or anything to cause you to you know, spill over on stage. Um, no, not at all. Actually, I I had a habit of kind of sodium loading as I was going uh, as part of my pre workout each morning. I put like a gram of salt in there, uh, pink Himalayan salt. Mm -hmm. And um, two days out, I I went down to half the amount of sodium I normally put in my pre workout, and then the day before, I didn't put any extra in. And just kind of uh, left it as it was. Um, nice. And I, I, from experience, I know that if I cut down the sodium, increase potassium just a little bit, that I'll drop a little bit of water weight too. So yeah, I was, I was pretty dry for the competition. Um, now I was def definitely vascular. I used the uh, uh, citrium malate, um, about eight grams of that, um, about twenty grams of vegetable glycerin and a gram of sodium and took all those about 45 minutes before I had to go on stage. Um, and the, yeah, the pump was ridiculous. There were guys who were, <laughs> I, I was probably one of the leanest, if not the leanest guy at the show. Um, and I was easily the most vascular one at the show. <laughs> there were guys who were stopping going, dang, man, you are vascular. <laughs> like I had a, yeah, they were everywhere. It wasn't just the, the big, uh, the big, you know, forearm and, and bicep ones. It was like all the little tiny ones that like all over my lats, everything. Well, you were looking freaky vascular at NACA. And if you had not done really a, a full refeed the night before and you were that vascular, I can only imagine, you know, what you're looking like when things are dialed in. Did you, did you get like the professional photo package? Yes. Yeah, I did. Nice, nice. I'm excited to see some of those come through. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny, man. The The whole concept of you know, peaking for an event is, is lost in so many ways. There's so much like wisdom, you know, quote unquote wisdom out there and people telling people how to do it. And like people try and manipulate and change so many things right before the show that it's just like a total crapshoot. Like they don't know what's going to happen. So I'm curious that now that you've done two shows with two different protocols, if you were to, you know, gather all the all that you've learned over the past two shows, what would you change and do differently going forward? Like if you were to do another show, I were, I would go the same route I did for NACA. Um, because I felt better, uh, you know, being on show day, being able to drink as much as I wanted to and not having to control my, you know, how much, how much water I was taking in. Um, it, just felt better. I just felt better overall that day. And I didn't have any kind of weird drunkness feeling afterwards. So the experience was a lot better in general because, because, you know, you're at the show and there's all this going on. It was all new to me anyways. And then not being on top of it mentally because I'm not in ketosis at that moment. And because I am calorie deprived, I, I wasn't quite able to take it in and enjoy it as much as yeah. I did at NACA. Um, so yeah, I would definitely go the same route I did for NACA, but I would just probably three days out, I would bump up fat quite a bit. Would you have like the, the, the carb load as well, or just do a fat load? Uh, I think, I, I think I would just try a fat load this, this next time around. Um, uh, it, or if I were to do any kind of carbs, it wouldn't be any high glycemic. I I went with like really high glycemic um, really high dextrose content stuff uh, this time around, uh, this last one. Um, and I, I would probably just keep it more to like 
you know, cornstarch being the maximum <laughs> or pea, yeah, pea starch or something like that. I've never played around with the um, the the glycerin and citrulline malate as a standalone for, and you know, getting a pump to peak for a show. So that's something I'm about to to play around with. What what are the what what's the ingredients on the the vegetable glycerin? It's just pure vegetable glycerin. What's like what's the macro breakdown on that? Yeah, that's it. It's um, uh, vegetable glycerin is actually actually a sugar alcohol. So they use it put in like uh, diet bars and and you know protein bars that say they're sugar free because it has a sweet syrupy like um, flavor to it. Not 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 really strong, but um, and they also use it to keep the bars moist. Um, like I said, I do a stupid amount of research on stuff, and the. So it's it's a sugar alcohol, but it attracts water like crazy. They usually use it in like cosmetics and things like that because it, it's really good at at attracting and and keeping moisture, um, you know, wherever you're applying it. So uh, people will use it to you know put on their skin to keep, help keep it hydrated. Um, and as long as you get uh, a product that's just pure vegetable glycerin, which by the way, is chemically identical to glycerol, which is what you'll find in um, pre-workout uh, supplements for uh, as, as like a pump agent. You'll see a powdered glycerol. Glycerin is the same thing. They're the same molecule. Um, it's just like another word for the same thing. So uh, I found that I could get that, get that cheap. Like I can get a big bottle of it for, you know, five or six bucks. Versus this, you know, pump product that would cost, uh, you know, like forty or fifty dollars for like thirty servings. Mm-hmm. So I was getting this way more value, and um, yeah, the the difference is huge. Um, <laughs> I can't wait till you try it. Now it's <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to give it a shot. Is it like pretty much low glycemic, like a like any other kind of sweetener, like a like a stevie or something like that? Uh, yeah, it's um. I believe on the glycemic index, uh, I, I posted about it at one point. I think it's like twenty four or something like that. It's like xylitol, it's really, basically. really low. Yes, it's 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 right around xylitol. Huh. But and it just, just did. It, what, what was it your dosage? Attracts water. What was your dosage on that? Uh, twenty grams. Um, yeah, twenty grams. I, I made a, a post about you know how to get a, a pump on keto and put all the stuff that I used. Um, so people should start out with, you know, 10 to 15 to see what their tolerance is for it because high amounts like other sugar alcohols can create a bit of a laxative effect. So yeah. you don't want to go too crazy on it. Yeah. That would not be good right before you step on stage. <laughs> no, or, or start to do squats or something like that. No. And you took this right before you started pumping up, I imagine. Yes, about about forty five. I took all those about forty five minutes out. So the eight grams of citrulline, uh, the twenty grams of the the glycerin, and that that was it. Those are the two components. And then one gram of sodium. One gram of sodium. That's right. Have you ever you ever drink wine? Like do you drink wine at all? Or no. Um. Not not regularly. Have you had any wine post show? No. I'd be curious to see how you if you notice an effect of like a red wine, like not much at all, like a, like a small glass of red wine having an impact on your vascularity. Like whenever I drink wine, even when I'm not lean, but especially when I'm lean, if it's, if just one glass, like you don't need to, you don't need to get all the, the sugars in. So you don't need a large quantity, but something about wine itself. Like I just get this warming sensation over me and my vascularity amplifies pretty significantly. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, a lot of people. Will, it, it's it's. I'd, I'd be curious to get what your your feedback is on that. A lot of people will do it, you know, backstage before they go out. But you got to be careful with that because you know when you're that depleted, you're incredibly susceptible to getting drunk a lot easier. And <laughs> right. if you take in too much wine, you go out on stage, you know, tripping over yourself. That's not a good look either. Right. <laughs> so let's talk post show, man. Let's talk reverse diet. What are you doing? I mean, I guess the show was just this past weekend, so not too long ago. But what is your plan for like reversing out of this deficit and ramping up calories again? Um, I've already for the first two days after I just 
uh, you know, Sunday and then Sunday I ate just whatever I wanted. I, I didn't track a thing. I just ate for the sheer pleasure of it for one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, yesterday I started cracking down again to control it. So um, yesterday I had about 2,100 calories and I'll, I'll probably um, do a little bit of calorie cycling Um hover around uh, 1,900 to 2,200 for a week to see what happens, um, weigh myself, uh, see how I look, and then just kind of go from there. Um, and then once I realize I'm not putting on a bunch of weight, then I'll, I'll just slowly kick it up by you know around 50 to 100 uh, calories per day each week. What kind of uh, food is that going to consist of? Uh, right now, I'm I'm doing uh, mostly carnivore because I'm trying to get back into ketosis and burn off all this these carbs I took in because <laughs> they don't make me feel very well. Did you weigh yourself at all uh, after that? You know, Sunday free day. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I gained uh, a little over ten pounds in twenty four uh, hours. Yeah, in about in in less in less than forty eight hours. Yeah. That's crazy, man. It's uh, it's funny because like it's not funny. It's bad. A lot of a lot of competitors go, but this uh, negative rebounds um, after you know going through a, a competition prep, it, it's it's like a real deal. Not not very many people talk about it. I try and really talk about it whenever I've had a competitor on the podcast because I think the word needs to get out. But people will totally go off the rails, eat everything and anything, and then gain a bunch of weight like when i did my first show i gained 20 pounds literally overnight like i woke up the next day looked in the mirror didn't even recognize myself and that's super common but i feel like being keto vastly minimizes that and especially if you go carnivore like kind of go ultra strict with things um if you were eating a little bit everything you were having carbs but you're not normally eating carbs so having that big bolus of carbs i mean you're probably a lot more pronounced uh, or you're probably a lot more susceptible to gain those 10 pounds than, than you would be had you been eating carbs the whole way through or never had the carbs in the first place. Right. Yep. I agree. It is crazy though, man. 10 pounds in less than 48 hours is a little bit of a shocker. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll lose probably about five of that in water. Yeah, um, for sure. It's just, Yeah. <laughs> And you, you said you're still I, I, feeling I, I, kind I, of kind of drunk to this day still. You're just now starting to wear it off? Yeah, I, I'm just now starting to feel like I don't have, you know, something laying on my brain. Yeah. <laughs> slowing me down. <laughs> oh, that's got to be... I, I, I'm honestly been scared, man. Like, like I'm going to be straight with you. I, I have not had carbs, like a carb meal in five years. Well, for two reasons, I guess. One... It's simply because like I'm I'm stubborn and I've kind of painted myself as the strict keto guy, so I feel like I'd be a hypocrite if I did have carbs. But <laughs> then two, it's like I feel so good without them. I'd be scared to go back and then like have to just deal with all the negatives that I dealt with before. Like I don't know if I'm, you know, in a good spot to deal with that. It's just another stressor I don't want to add to my life right now. Yeah, that's uh, and that's one of the reasons why I sometimes will do strict keto and sometimes I'll do cyclical. I, I, f- I feel like I make a little a little bit more progress when I'm cyclical, but it, you know, I don't feel good for a part of the week every week, and that's, you know, it's it's, it's, it's a sacrifice, and a lot of times I'm not sure if it's worth it or not. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it's not that big. I don't feel like I make that much more progress progress, but uh. I don't know. Yeah, I've got, I don't know, I've got a couple of theories on that. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, there's never been a, a study that I'm aware of that really illustrates the benefits of that. I feel like it is possible to potentially gain more tissue, you know, both fat uh, tissue and muscle tissue with carbs, possibly. But you're also going to have to kind of lose some of that if you have to go stricter with your diet. So like at the end of the day, when you step on stage, if you're doing a competition, for instance, I don't feel that, you know, the, the incremental amount of muscle I could have gained having had carbs would outweigh the, the same muscle I would have had to lost to get to the leanness that I needed to be at, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the, I think 
when people say they get, you know, they build more muscle, you know, using carbs versus keto, there's a, there's a difference between hypertrophy and strength, right? So I don't think a pure fat fueled person um, is at any disadvantage against someone who's uh, carb fueled in terms of, in terms of strength. I think that, that I, I progress in strength just as fine um, using either substrate. But if I incorporate the cyclical keto days, I get, you know, I get those that really like over those over the top pumps, um, which I can't get quite as good if I'm super strict keto. And that is a whole nother stimulus for hypertrophy from a lot of the research that I've I've read that, you know, just like BFR bands and and stuff like that. Just, just that stress that you're place placing on on the cell walls from all the volume in the Mm -hmm. muscle alone forces the muscle to adapt and you're not necessarily getting stronger, but it's the muscles getting thicker. So it just looks bigger. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I don't know, I, like I said, I've been reading a bunch of like contest prep, you know, research right now. And it seems that, you know, if you're a carbohydrate dependent athlete, you go through a prep, it's pretty typical to lose, you know, often as much as, you know, 20% lean mass as you go through the the, the course of the prep. Uh, I mean, of, of the weight you lose, let me rephrase it, of the weight that you lose, there's oftentimes 20% of that that is lean mass, not... 20% total mass. Um, so I don't feel like I ha- I lose hardly any lean mass. I probably lose a little bit, but I don't feel like I lose hardly any lean mass when I do a strict keto approach to a prep. So like if I hypothetically gained an additional 20% in hypertrophy by introducing carbs, but then I lost that same 20% by going through a prep, whereas I never lose it by keeping it strict keto, right. I feel like it just kind of offsets itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, to- yeah, it definitely does. Um, and I-, I agree. I don't feel like I lost any. I think I, I mean, I was actually hitting new PRs when I was in when I was at sixteen hundred calories, um, two weeks out from NACA. And see, that n- needs to be repeated, man, because you don't ever <laughs> hear somebody that's eating carbs say that. Like they go through a prep, st- following a standard bro diet with high protein, and you know, using carbs and keeping fat low. They never. Never say that. And I noticed the exact same thing when I went through my prep. I was watching video footage and I was hitting PRs on deadlift, five plates, you know, two, one week out before stepping on stage. I mean, that's just unheard of, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I like a, a PR hip thrust I got for, um, over 500 pounds, um, when I was at 1600, 1600 calories. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's, they, they keep their protein, you know, typically, they keep protein very high throughout their prep and, you know, they're using carbs strategically and whatnot. But the argument is that by keeping the protein high, your your need for protein does not decrease as you go through a prep. This is their argument. But, you know, protein ensures that you don't have any muscle wasting, like you're anti-catabolic, yada, yada, yada. You have, you sustain all the muscle you've built over your bulking season. But I would argue that being in a keto adapted state and being truly keto adapted and having those ketones that is more anti-catabolic than having that higher protein intake which is why you and I can take our protein down incredibly low going into a prep I mean you said you got down to 50 grams I got down to 65 at the end of my prep and here we are hitting PR so I don't know you tell me which is better (laughs) yeah exactly it's uh and what you said is is very key is if you're properly keto adapted a lot of these bodybuilders who are um carbohydrate fueled and then they go to start their cut or prep they'll go you know they'll go keto for maybe 2 or 3 weeks and just to get fully depleted carb up um you know during that 2 or 3 weeks they're definitely not keto adapted <laughs> they're not no. fat adapted at all um so they're not getting the benefits uh, as that someone who who has you know done keto strict for a year s- solid um, is going to have. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I don't feel like I lost anything. I, I I I was to a point getting stronger. Once it got down to about fourteen hundred, 
that's when things started to feel really heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I mean, no matter what diet you're on, when you're taking in that little <laughs> intake, I mean that that's gonna that's gonna <laughs> pay its toll for sure. But I like what you said about a year strict keto. I mean, there's a difference between having ketones on your blood ketone meter and being keto adapted. And you know, you having been adapted for three and a half years now, you said it's like a whole another ball game being adapted for years on years as opposed to just a few weeks. And it just, like I've found that it just keeps getting better. Like your level of adaptation continues to evolve and improve the longer you stick with it and the benefits continue to improve as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, when when someone talks to me about keto and they're, they're thinking about it and I, I know they live, I always make sure to tell them, you know, Three weeks uh, in, you're not going to feel your strongest because your body is not going to be used to using fat very efficiently. Um, but you just have to kind of push through that and just trust that on the other side, you know, in about another month or two, you're going to be back to hitting PRs and you're going to feel as fantastic as you feel right now on top of it. So, you know, it's because I'm sure a lot of people, once they hit that keto flu and um, they are depleted of glycogen and they just, and their body's used to using that as, as their primary fuel source that they just feel weaker. And then you hear them start to confuse that with, Oh, well, I'm losing muscle. And it's like, no, you're not using your muscle is still there. It's just not using the energy you want it to use right now. So it just feels like it's weaker and it looks smaller because you're holding less glycogen and less water in the muscle. But you're, I mean, they like, yeah, it's hard to explain that to someone who hasn't studied the science behind it <laughs> to, to, to convince them that you're not losing muscle. You're just learning to use a different fuel source right now. <laughs> it's a hard sell for sure, man. I mean, if you're taking somebody that's, you know, followed a traditional protocol their whole life and they don't really have any, you know, chronic illnesses, any inflammation, any pain, they have like no specific tangible reason to switch over. I mean, it's a hard sell to, to approach them and be like, hey, look, this is what you ought to do. Get rid of all your favorite foods, have crappy performance for months on end, lose the fullness <laughs> yeah. and the vascularity that you so crave, and someday <laughs> it's going to get better. I mean, that's a hard sell, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it is. It really is. Um, I always like to tell them that once they get past the flu, they're going to feel like a million bucks. And uh, that should, they you know, that's a, a big sign of, you know, what they're working toward and then what they're getting away from. Um, it, I find that as a good way to bridge the gap a little bit, just have them hold on to that feeling of how they feel notice that their body doesn't hurt or ache like it used to um, and just keep going through. And before they know it, you know, that those first two, three months will be behind them and they'll just be smashing it in the gym again. Very true. Very true. Another thing that I feel like keeps, keeps people staying with it is because they just inherently know right from wrong. I mean, there's a couple people that are totally skewed in how they keto and think that you know, keto is all about just eating cheese and butter and heavy cream. And there is definitely a lot of cheese, butter, and heavy cream consumed. But <laughs> like when I think of keto, I think of like good, wholesome, you know, non-processed foods, like like real foods. And I feel like, you know, you start eating that way, you start eating those foods, you start getting excited about knowing that you're putting quality foods into your body. Like you, you know, you inherently know that what you're doing is right. Like that's going to be better for you long term. Yeah, and you notice a, a big difference. Like uh, when I first started keto, I was doing 25 grams of net carbs or less, and I was doing, you know, if it fits your macros type of keto. I wasn't going um, super strict or super clean, um, you know, eating Quest bars and stuff like that, which had a lot of sugar, uh, sugar alcohols in it. And um, I slowly started to clean up my diet, and I noticed I felt even better and got even better results the more I cleaned it up. So... Um, you know, I think it, 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 it can work either way, you know, uh, want the dirty keto versus clean keto, um, whatever helps someone to make it sustainable, I think is most important, but they should at least try clean, uh, for a decent amount of time so they can see what it feels like. Um, and I found that once I did that for like a few months, I, I went back and ate something 
that was, you know, a processed keto product and it just taste did not taste the same. Like, <laughs> like broccoli is one of the sweetest tasting things when I'm, when, when my diet is super clean um, and I'm, you know, eating just all natural uh, stuff I've fixed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, broccoli is like a treat. It, it, it's surprising how sweet it is. And then when I went back to it, ate these other things with sugar alcohols and, you know, like, um, the, not, not slim fast, the Atkins, the Atkins stuff. When I went back and ate that, I was like, Oh, this is like eating plastic. That's been flavored with something like it's, it's, it's crazy how much, how you don't notice it when you're in the middle of it. And then once you get away from it (laughs) and try and go back, there's that contrast. And I find that's a, a common thread through a lot of the, the, the keto progress and the time I've spent doing it is how much I've noticed things I didn't notice before. hundred <laughs> percent, man. I'm, I'm glad you say that. Cause like, you know, I came from the, if it fits your macros type of mentality, that's, that's how I prepped for shows. My first three shows, that's what I used. Flexible dieting, if it fits your macros. And there is some truth to some of the principles that they talk about there, but a lot of it is just based off of, you know, complete ignorance towards food quality. I mean, yes, some of them know that you would be better off having a chicken breast than just a whole bunch of Snicker bars. But at the same time, like, there's so much weight put on just simply the macronutrient count, calorie count, and the grams, and so little towards the micronutrient density of those foods that it kind of just gets swept under the rug. But once you're into a diet and you're in tune with your body and you're actually, you know, honed in on how your body feels and responds when you're giving it quality nutrients, it's like impossible to think that eating the crap foods is not having a negative or suboptimal effect on your body. Yes, absolutely. So I'm curious, man, what is, is coming up? You got any other shows? I know you, you said you're taking the rest of this year off. you have anything coming up in the future any 2020 shows on the horizon um if if i were to do one in 2020 it would be naca it'd be going back to naca again well i'm i'm planning i don't know if you saw but i'm taking the gloves off man i'm going to be competing next year so it would be kind of cool if we were on stage at the same time man that would be that would be cool so are you going to go to naca i don't know i don't know i'm actually at some point this week i'm going to go through and and figure out all the shows when they are, uh, which is kind of hard to do because some of the 2020 events have not yet been updated, so they're they're just showing the 2019 events. Um, but I'm gonna go through and and figure out locations, times, and everything because I'm planning on on doing several shows. Like I normally don't advocate for that. I recommend doing one or two shows in as close a proximity as you can, and being done with it and taking time to you know ramp up your metabolism and your hormones again, but. It's been so long since I did my last show that I'm really going to try and capitalize on this time being lean. And I'm just going to try and do multiple shows. And I honestly feel like it's more sustainable if you're keto and you're starting at a high caloric intake. I mean, honestly, man, like I've been working on my macros, getting ready for this prep. And my baseline caloric intake is 3,500 calories. I'm starting my prep at 3,500 calories, which is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, I won't have to go down near as low as I have in the past. So I feel like I'll be able to sustain you know, a reasonably healthy intake still and kind of drag out the show, uh, my competition dates a little bit longer, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, that's why I, I did the second show. I was like, well, I'm already, I'm already this lean and in, in, in shape and this one's three weeks away. I can make it. I'll just, you yeah. know, draw it out a little longer. <laughs> no, man, that's that's good. I mean, the more stage time you can get in that close proximity, the better. I mean, three weeks is is not too crazy. Um, it's when you, you, I've seen some competitors that they'll do a show and they'll like try and stay lean for you know three months to do another show. Yeah, and, and that's just that just is really really hard on you. Yeah, I don't I I don't see how they do it. Uh, there's a number of people I've seen that um, compete. And they will like literally every three or four months, it seems like they're doing another show or prepping for another show. And I'm just like, where, where's the room to grow and fix your metabolism in there? <laughs> well, there's definitely a point of diminishing returns. Like 
there's there, there's going to be a point where they do that and they're they're chronically under eating and you'll notice they'll start looking worse and worse with each show they do as opposed to better and better and it's like you know there's gonna, always going to be another show life's too short to throw away your health for a competition so you got to make sure that's prioritized yeah yeah i i definitely agree like uh people nah. I don't know how they don't spend time to recover. I mean, they, they have to not feel very good because <laughs> I know I, it didn't feel good. Um, uh, I, I heard before, you know, prep just, you don't feel good and it's very true. You don't, it's, it's a weird feeling. You love seeing how lean you're getting and seeing, um, you, clearly seeing the results of all the previous work that you had been putting in, but you, still don't feel good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's not something that, I don't know, man, it, it's weird. It's, it's such a mindset thing. I mean, it, it's a mindset sport more so than a physical sport. I mean, it, it takes some serious discipline and willpower to willingly, you know, sacrifice all that food and take all that time with friends and family, all that, everything so that you can stand up on stage for a few minutes, like 60 seconds, literally. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about that um, just the other day. Like, wow, you know, five, you know, it was what it's been about four, almost four years of some time in the gym. Um, and then got down to a five month worth of slow dieting and prep. And then got down to two weeks of of trying, you know, preparing for peak week and then a peak week. And then, you know, it's just, it's crazy how you have to time all this stuff. Um, until you're down to 45 minutes before and taking, you know, citrulline malate and, <laughs> and glycerin and, and timing it. So everything, you know, just kind of hits just right at just the right time to to look your best for, like you said, like 60 seconds. Yeah. I mean, that, that really goes to show that it's not the, the plastic trophy that you walk away with. That That's the reason you're doing this. It's not the money because there ain't no money in it. <laughs> It's because you just <laughs> like the hardship, man. Like you just crave doing something hard. We're all living in this world where life is easy. You know, we're all soft unless we do things that make us hard. And the competition prep is like a great self-imposed hardship. And you just learn more about you and what you're capable of. You gain more perspective on life, more, you know, stoicism. And when you have that, I mean, that just spills over and applies to everything you do. Yeah, confidence. Like uh, you, you can look back and say, "Yeah, I did this, it, <laughs> and this was this was this was the results." So it, yeah, it's not easy, but it's it's very rewarding. Hundred percent, man. Well, you look freaking great. I'm not gonna lie. The only thing that you and I both know is your your color washed off on on the neck show. Oh, it was awful. I mean, you were. Yeah. I mean, you had like all the vascularity. I mean, you were. You said you didn't. You were flat, but I mean, you looked pretty swole to me, and you just were super washed out in the stage lights because all your color was gone. Yeah. Yep. 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 It, uh, that was a big bummer, but I, I definitely learned from that experience this time around. Hey man, that's, that's what it's all about. You live and you learn, you do it better next time and each show you look better than the one before. So I'm excited to see you step on stage again, man. Thanks. Well, what, what can people that's do real. to, to find out more about you, man? Where, where are you most active on Instagram? I guess. Yeah, I'm on I'm on Instagram the most. Um I have a I do have a website at ketowing.com, but um I really need to start just adding content to it. Uh I've got everything in place. It's mostly a place where I have like um keto oriented uh like shirts and stuff like that that I've started to design in my spare time because I'm a I'm a old school computer geek, craft designer, website designer, uh so I've been trying to just do that in my spare time. Um, Very nice. But, uh, yeah. Ketowing.com and then Instagram. You're also doing at, at Ketowing, uh, yeah. right? Uh, doing, Ketowing.life on Instagram.com. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, at Instagram. And then uh, also Twitter. But they just they just kind of echo what I put to Instagram. Really, that's that's the main thing I post to. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, I will certainly link out to those. And and when do you get your your photos back? Um, it should be within uh, the 
the information I got said it would, it would be within two weeks after the show. And did did you get the NACA photos back already? Yeah, I got those. Nice, nice. You have to send me send me one of the one of the pictures somewhere, man. I'll put that on the thumbnail, and um, people can see what 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 you look like, and how shredded you are. Yeah, will do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary, man, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad to to see you making ways with the keto competition prep. So keep doing what you're doing, man. Let's keep in touch. All right, you bet. Thanks a lot. See you, brother. Yeah.